Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 320. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this, uh, right now, nice Thursday evening? Uh, not so nice in D.C. It's kind of gloomy and gray and shit, so uh, that's lame. But aside from that, I'm doing all right. That might just be because Trump's in town, though. That might just be for that reason. Someone, <laughs> uh, I think Stacy actually on this on, in our strict court was like, "How are the vibes in DC?" And I was like, "I've literally left Great, my house, walked my Bill dog, got traded." <laughs> <laughs> since what? Since Bradley Bill got traded, fucking great. <laughs> Between Brad Bill getting traded and. Trump uh, getting indicted. Trump getting locked up. <laughs> all we all we need is the Mystics players to be, get healthy. That's all we need, and we need John Wall to resign. Um, He's going to play in Italy. I heard. Apparently, he denied that though. He came oh, on really? Twitter and yeah, I think he did one of those like get better sources or like who are mm-hmm. your sources things. But um, we're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk about other things. But before we get started. I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at Strick.land. On Instagram, you can follow us on there. We're posting all kinds of new content. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website, which is at thestrick.land. We have all kinds of stuff on there. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday alongside Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you, and none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Um, I wanted to, I, I was actually like, uh, this is not even like related to the current Knicks or anything. The Knicks signed some fucking dudes on Exhibit 10 contracts. If you want to talk about somebody named Obadiah Noel, which is amazing, 
and I don't know, they signed somebody else. Uh, we're not going to do that. So if that's your thing, I apologize. Um, but uh, I was listening to the Knicks Film School pod, and they were ranking, they did like a ranking of, it, they had like the whole like, you know, system set up, but it was basically a ranking the best wins, Knicks wins of the 21st century to date. And um, I was interested because the first two games off the board were the Carmelo Anthony 62-point game. I think John picked him. And the Carmelo Anthony Easter game, the double, the two. The double overtime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think Jeremy picked that one. And and, uh, Andrew was like, you know, uh, in dismay, aghast that they had picked his two favorite games ahead of him. Uh, I don't remember what Andrew picked third. Uh, but I was interested by this because, they, look, they had a whole system set up. It was something like, and apologies if I'm fucking this up, but it was like you had, they had seven, they both got, they all got seven picks, and three of them had to be Knicks playoff games. Of which there are not that many in this in this century, unfortunately. Um, so three had to be Knicks playoff games. Two had to be from a season they made the playoffs, and then two had to be from a season they didn't make the playoffs. And why I thought this was interesting. Well, I thought it was interesting that those were the first two games to come off the board. And very specifically, I should note the sixty-two point game was in a season the Knicks did not make the playoffs, and the double Easter game or the double overtime Easter game. Uh, Carmelo scores 43 against the Bulls. That was a season the Knicks did make the playoffs, but they only won one game in those playoffs. What I thought was so interesting about this is that they, whatever, they talked about a whole variety of things throughout the pod, but I was like very, very, it like made me think about my own fandom because I was thinking, like, what, when they were announcing the rubric, right, of, like, oh, you know, three of these and two of these and two of these, I was, like, thinking in my head, you know, like, all right, what would I pick? What would, you know, what would be my picks? And I was so struck that, like, the mellow 62-point game was one that all resonated with them. Not because it doesn't resonate with me. Like, it's a great individual performance for sure. Um, but it was funny to me because I was, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, Hmm, for a season where the Knicks didn't make the playoffs, like probably like the game where they fucking beat Kristaps in the garden. And I'm just thinking about like these crazy, like more like not individual performance type of games. And I was just interested by that. Cause I'm like, I like, I'm like, okay. Like it's always interesting when you kind of realize that how you consume something and how you view something and the things that you value or, or that you enjoy more, um, you know, is so different and can be so different from people who ultimately like love the Knicks and, and care about the Knicks just as much as you. I mean, we see this all the time in other things, right? Like fucking Star Wars or Marvel movies. Of course, right? of course. Right? But I was just so struck at the difference of like the the Carmelo angle of it all. Because like, look, I get it. Carmelo is a great player and I, I don't love him like the way other Knicks, Knicks fans love him, but I, I do appreciate elements of what Carmelo did in New York. Um, but I was just so struck by that, like that it's just like it's so different for so many people. And like, look, the conversation goes on. They all pick different things. 
and they weigh different things. You know, some people like this playoff game more than that playoff game. Sure. This regular season game. But I was just so struck by like how we can all consume this thing that is ultimately like Nick's basketball, but like value, not even value, value is the wrong word, but, but the things that like resonate, the things that us, resonate. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I was going to choose. It's a fascinating topic. I, I didn't check that pod. Um, <laughs> and I <laughs> surprise, Prez doesn't listen to yeah, any pre- pods. Pre- I, don't, don't be offended if anybody from KF is listening to this because Prez doesn't listen to any of our pods either. <laughs> I learned what Stacy and Schwinn talk about through the internet, just like the rest of you, okay, <laughs> who don't have Patreon or whatever. You um, don't need Patreon to listen to me and Stacy talk. Look, you get the point, all right, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. So, no, it, it's it's true, and I think there's a lot of things that go into what make a game resonate with you. Um, PD Web, who you know, has been doing his thing with amateur scouting for some time now. So he's kind of retired from the the basketball podcast circus. But uh, if you go back in the archives, he's jumped on our pod a couple of times to talk draft stuff. He had a pod back in the day. Um, I think it was called like the Joy of Basketball or something. And it was kind of about this topic. He basically would have guests on for short, like 20 minute combos about like a player they love and a performance they love by that player. And it's just really interesting to uh, hear different, uh, different people go over what resonated with them about a player in a game. And like with Carmelo, like, and even which players, right? Like, yeah, like uh, Carmelo, it's super interesting because like our, our perspective for fandom was in such a different place at the time because the bar for what brings us joy as fans was so low, right? Like, like a, like a asking a Knicks fan about like playoff success back then was like asking somebody how many grains of sand are on the beach, right? It's just like, yeah, I intellectually know what you're asking me, but like, I can't emotionally hypothesize about that because it's unfucking familiar. So for a lot of people, like, those individual performances were really all we had. But if if you had, what makes it fascinating is like some folks, like you or Macri, for example, um, you know, well, you have picked, Macri picked the Carmelo sixty-two point game. But I suspect that John may have been, uh, let's say, pandering to the masses rather than um, picking from his own heart. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I know Macri has gone on the record many times about his uh. His favorite, his favorite games from the 90s and all that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you and Macri and me and others have experienced those things. Um, so it's, you know, for some people, like, that expectation can be reset, right, so to speak. Whereas for you, you're like, no, like, it's been a while, but I still remember, right? The North remembers. <laughs> and then you have fucking weirdos like me. Like, you know what one of my games probably would have been? Jamal Crawford's 54-point game where he made 16 shots in a row versus D-Wade in the that, Miami that Heat. That game was awesome. It was incredible. And people are often surprised when I tell them Jamal Crawford is one of my favorite Knicks because they're like, wasn't he bad at basketball? And I'm like, first of all, maybe. Maybe. Second yeah, of all. <laughs> probably. Yeah, he probably wasn't great. It's a compli- it's a more complicated answer than people think because it was a different time. It wasn't all you got to like, know yes, is and- Prez's, Prez's rubric is often like it's basically just 
Would I go to Rucker and watch him play on a Friday night? Yes. Listen, listen. If I was at that Jamal Crawford game, I would have fucking passed out and had to be like airlifted to a fucking hospital from just like no, you would have just heart attack shock. I would have just ascended right no, to yeah, the afterlife. Like peak life. Yeah, it's just peak life for you. That shit was. For you kids out there, go watch the grainy YouTube footage. This man made 16 shots in a row of the ultimate pure Hooper variety against prime Dwayne Wade. So, like, I just, I just want to <laughs> let you know, like, I don't think, like, I know the footage may not be, you know, 1080p. I'm not sure, like, 2006, 2007 YouTube footage is grainy, press. Not, not, not certain about that one. Um, it's pretty bad compared to what we got now. So, I'd be watching those fucking, like, the other day, I don't know why, I was talking to my brother and we were sending out links of shit and first we st- we're looking at T-Mac highlights, like Prime T-Mac. No, the, not, at, well, maybe not Prime T-Mac, but um, Houston T-Mac and then looking at the Lakers Celtics uh, Kobe finals mm. and I was like, damn, we were watching this fucking garbage quality on like 50-inch TVs that weighed, like, 500 pounds and shit. Like, what a different fucking time to consume the basketball that almost matches the style of play where all of those games were, like, 75 to 81 or whatever. Anyway, I digress, but, um, yeah, it's a... What what resonates is really is really interesting. I have no idea what I would pick from, like, more recent times, to be honest, um, outside of uh, playoff games. I still feel like last season I'm kind of like it. It's, it's going to sound funny because obviously I'd spend more time thinking and talking and writing and tweeting about the Knicks than 99.9% of people. But like sometimes it feels like it hasn't fully registered. Like, oh yeah, we had that season and Jalen Brunson did that. Like, I like, you know me, like my memory kind of sucks for. For this sort of stuff, especially in the immediate aftermath, like if you if we're podcasting in December and you ask me about a game in November, I'm like, what? What was the? Let me go look at the box score. We played basketball in November. I know. <laughs> it's it's not great. The season started. <laughs> it's yes. definitely uh the hole in in my weakness here as a as a basketball podcaster. <laughs> I can't seem to remember much basketball, but um, like. I, I don't know, man. Like, is picking yeah, my mean, favorites of this past year or Yeah, three, I mean, I, I was I was like, thinking about it. It was just funny to me because, like, I was immediately thinking of, like, the best victories. Like, and I'm not – again, this is – I guess the best way to put it is, like, everybody can I – mean, look, they, we all picked wins, right? It's not like they were out there picking, like – Oh, I love this game where the Knicks had a heartbreaking loss. Like, like when, you know like I mean? when everybody fucking picks out like the game where Steph Curry became Steph Curry, which yeah. is when they lost to the Knicks, even though he scored a bunch because yeah. Raymond Felton blocked their game-winning <laughs> shot. It's like the one good defensive play he made in that game. Um, but, but like, no, I was... no, no, we're not, we're not slandering Ray Felton here. All right, that was a great game, great play from yeah. Nick Legend Ray Felton. All right, never call him that again. Um, he's like a legend at fucking McDonald's or something. He's a um, legend in Prez's heart. Because <laughs> he was like the first point guard with a reasonable handle we had had since Marbury. Yeah, um, he was the sauciest point guard we had since yeah, shit. Marbury, we had a what was my <laughs> this is a dark ages deep cut here. Johan? My guy's my guy's Spanish chocolate. 
Oh, oh, uh, Sergio Rodriguez. Sergio Rodriguez, yeah. He was saucy. He was not good at basketball, but he was he, saucy. He was terrible, actually. Um, but he, he wasn't even good by like Spain standards. No, he was like really, really <laughs> bad. Um, but I was like, my immediate thoughts were always to like, oh, well, what was this like awesome random team win or like I felt hope or something, uh, only to later have it crushed, obviously. But it was just, it just, it was a funny thing because I'm like, it, like really, like my first thought was like, oh yeah, well, we fucking beat Dallas at the Garden, like right after mm. trading Kristaps. That shit was great. That was good. Marcus Morris game winner. Everybody's going Frank on. almost dunked on him. Frank didn't know Frank. Oh, that was no, that was so that was the game. That was a different game. Yeah, that was the game. At this is what Dallas. I'm talking about. I can't yeah. fucking remember this shit. He was wearing a white jersey. That, that was the game at Dallas in New York. Um, yeah, like it was, but it was like a totally random game. And it was, I mean, not random in the sense of like very obviously a very specific game, but random right, right. What occurred. Like we got like really good Dennis Jr. minutes. You know, mm. like like just random shit like that. I think uh, I think that was like one of the few games early in Julius's time in New York where where he got his game off. So it's just like one of those things, and um, like that, it's just funny. I, it, that's what was funny to me though is like when they were describing what would be your like thing. Um, I was like thinking of these like random team, and they honestly they were both probably right in picking like those games because they are more memorable games. I think to the vast majority of people um but it just it just struck me because i'm like wow like i'm such a fucking weirdo like the things that like resonate with me are like i'm like oh man when when frank dropped 20 and 10 against the fucking <laughs> the wizards that was the COVID game that i had tickets to and that's when i decided after getting fried chicken with my friends a block from the arena that you know what this might be serious fucking business. I'm going home. <laughs> and I missed Frank scored 20 points, yeah, man. Yeah, that's, I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the one. No, I mean, like, there's a lot, man. I was thinking, because they did the entire 21st century, and I'm like, damn, like, mm. there were some, like, crazy games in the 2000s. The Knicks sucked ass, but, like, there was a David Lee overtime tipping. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that Eddie Curry, corner three game winner. <laughs> no, that was that with Senator Overtime. Relax. Oh, oh my, uh, bad, we my did, bad. We still won the game, though. But, yeah, like, there was that. There was like the Jamal Jamal Crawford lets it go for three. Yeah, <laughs> against Denver. Like, there's all these like crazy games, and man, there was like this game they played against the Pistons. Like, I think it was like a triple overtime game. Yeah, Channing yeah I remember. I made this like, I think he made a three then, and like you gotta understand, like Channing Fry making a three at that point was not like what Channing Fry became, where it was just like very normal for him to take threes. Like he didn't take threes then; he took twenty footers because all bigs. They were not allowed to take threes, but they could take like 18 to 20 footers. That was just how we did it back then. Kevin Garnett never took a three, only 18 to 20 footers all day. Um, but like he made it three to send it into like whatever it was, overtime or double overtime, whatever. But it was like a crazy game. I, I got to find that box score. I'll find that box score and post it because it's like, it's like a fucking insane box score. There's like, I think Jamal Crawford had like 30 and seven and eight or some shit like that. Chauncey Billups went off in that game. It was like a, but it was just one of those things where there's so many of these games. I mean, I think there was a game after we traded for Carmelo, we played Miami and we beat them down in Miami. And it was like, I think Billups had a big three late in that game for us. Um, there's just, there's like, when you think about how much time there is, it's like, there's so many fucking games. And even a shitty team will have like these memorable, memorable moments. moments. Right. Right. And I was just like, I was like struck by that. Uh, and I, it was like ironic because I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, there's a lot more competition for like 
the best win in a non-playoff season more than anything else in here. It's I mean, when, you, when you've been in the fucking trenches that long, you got a large. That's what I'm saying. This like we've only been like nice, nice for like one season. I know we had 2021, but that was different. Like, so not, to me, all like, this. Yeah, we're not even like quite like we're like nice. We're nice. Relatively nice. speaking, yeah. we're like nobody's gonna be like, oh, the historically great 2022 dicks. <laughs> but it's the first time we've had it a player who I'm like, oh, like they could just like roast anybody in the fucking league at any given time. And it's not like, like, wow, like fucking J.R. Smith scored 40. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith baseline game winner versus Charlotte. There's another one. I just got out of fucking... He had one against the flunking, uh, Not flunking, but uh, I didn't do great on that law school final. But I remember I was like in the hallway and I was like, I totally fucked that test up. Let me see what this Knicks game is about. And it was like two minutes left. And J.R. Smith made me feel all better. Yeah. He, he, he had like back-to-back game winners. He had one against them. Yep. He had one, one against Phoenix. Um, that season in general had a lot of those. I mean, there was that one game the year before that where like Mello, J.R., and Novak, I think they hit like 21 threes. Or, they hit some absurd amount of threes combined. That's By the way, I think that's Carmelo's only career triple double that game. Um but it's just like, yeah, so there's like there's so many of these random games and awesome games. Like, you know You know what else it's tied to, I think? Now just now that I think about it, a lot of it is like, you know, having well, like we talk about like the team wins, which are like emotional attachment to the the team, but there's also like a lot of these players we're talking about, they were it's not like they necessarily had to be mixed for like five, six, seven years, but you know, you look at like Jeremy Lin, Steve Novak, like well, yeah, I was gonna say like Macri, Macri picked he picked Lin for a game, and like oh, wait, yeah. I'll just be honest, like the Lin Sanity thing for me, it was awesome in the moment, like no doubt about it. But like it's never like I never go back and watch Lin Sanity highlights ever. Like it just doesn't do anything for me as a fan. It's like one of those cool albums for me. It's like one of those awesome albums that I'm like I'm not. This doesn't have a lot of replay value, but it was fucking special for me as a depressed eighteen-year-old, and I needed that shit. It was, so it was good that not one taken summer. away from that, right? <laughs> but sometimes that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like time can correlate with building an emotional connection with a player, but other things can correlate with that as well. And in the case of Jeremy Lin, it wasn't time, but like what was happening and just how cool and novel the situation was right like for a team that didn't have much luck at the time or surprises um yeah exactly or like that's what i'm saying jamal crawford like why does he have an emotional attachment to jamal crawford surprise because of his fucking handle it's my favorite thing obviously like steve novak He's, nobody's gonna fucking put Steve Novak like in their like top fifty Knicks of all time, but like just the fact that we had a fucking guy who was white and kind of doofy and had the audacity to not only bomb away but like talk shit was fucking endearing as fuck. That was incredible. And the fact that there were other guys on that team who were similarly like endearing for different. You know, it was like a fucking sitcom, basically. Like, it was crazy. So, you know, I, I didn't even think of Steve Novak games in terms of this exercise. But, like, he definitely contributed to, like you said, that kind of connection to that team. And and that's probably 
what I'm waiting for for this team is like they were fucking awesome, but like I'm still building the connections to this team because a lot of the guys are newish, right? Like Mitch is the longest tenured Nick. I don't and... know. I mean, you guys have been here now for a minute, right? Like quick, quick's been here for years. RJ's been here for. Randall's been here for. Grimes, quick. I guess, kind of new. It was like two years, but still. Quick, quick, and Mitch are the ones like. It's kind of hard to build an emotional connection with the center just because the position is just kind of fucking boring. Unless they're a franchise center, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just nobody's going to be like, ah, you don't, you, that, you don't, that box out. You don't throw on Mitch like, oh, like Mitch rotation highlights right here. Let's, let's well, like to, to your initial point, though, about like the team wins, centers who are not stars, you know, they shine when it matters more than in a fucking 82 game grind, which is why like we might not remember some random, like, Oh, Mitch dominated Isaiah Stewart in fucking February versus the Pistons. But we're like, Oh yeah. Remember that time that the Cavs had a fucking rising savior and it was all-star in Jared Allen and <laughs> Mitchell Robinson adopted them both as children. Like how like, fucking yeah. So, and then quickly, quickly, obviously as, I would venture to say the the player that you know, at least at the Strickland, most of us have the strongest emotional attachment to on the entire team, and part of that is is time, and then part of that is is play style, right? Like the carefree style he had that he no longer really has, right? Like he's a completely different he's, player now. He's <laughs> been morphed into a Tibbs bot. He's right. He's like this weird <laughs> fusion of like early IQ and also like Kyle Lowry now. So like, I don't, yeah, it's, it's different, but like we've seen him evolve and, and that kind of stuff uh, also builds connection. And unfortunately, you know what else builds connection when play, when, when you see players go through some shit and they make it out the other side, like we were all kind of rooting for Frank to make it out the other side, but he really didn't. He's unsigned right now. Calm down. All right, he's yeah. still got time, but um, he just he might he might show up next to Kemba. That's all I'm saying. In uh, fucking south of France, it'll be 2035, and I'll be like, look, I, I I don't know. I'm just saying his form, his mechanics are really popping right now. Frank might be the one player who I'm retiring my shot mechanics analysis <laughs> for, just because it's going in the rafters. Because I've dedicated so much time to that. Um. But no, and then you look at quickly and like we had to deal with Elf and all the fucking nonsense, right? And like even though he's not starting now, like he closed the majority of the games for the last year. He was clearly like probably the third best player at least. And he's probably gonna get paid sometime soon. And it th- he still hasn't quite gotten the Everything that we feel he he deserves, but he's definitely not in like the shit anymore. Like he averaged twenty nine a game. You know, I know some people are like, well, he didn't get the trust in the playoffs versus Miami before he got hurt, and that's fair. That's totally fair. But like, we've seen him at least come out of the tunnel, right? He can still shine a little more. But I mean, he's he's improved every year, right? That's basically what you're getting at. Yeah, he was legitimately, he would have won six man of the year if the fucking number one candidate was from anywhere other than fucking Boston, right? So, like, <laughs> he he got shine and appreciation from people outside of us. That's that's really what we were talking about. It's like, we know he's nice. Why don't y'all believe us? Yeah. Right? Like, and now everybody else was like, oh, shit. 
Yeah, I, I really kind of nice. Yeah, the trade deadline was fun. It was like, oh, you know who I think we could steal from. Oh yeah. Oh, we could, and we could, you know, they'll give us two firsts for Alex Caruso, and I think we can get quickly too. I'm just like, what? Are that you was like your favorite crack? genre of of like clips to send around. It's <laughs> like fake trade proposals where it's like, well, what if the Knicks get, you know, we we'll dump like a, I don't know, some <laughs> some like mid level star or something, and uh, and then you know maybe we stretch them out for. Two first a swap, and they could also throw in quickly. Yeah, like it's like oh, like like I don't think they realize it. Like he's good. Like I'm like I, I'm pretty sure they know now. I, I don't think like you're. They were dis- these good. were disrespectful <laughs> first fantasy basketball trades. This is the trade you set when you're trying to set unreasonable expectations before you come to earth with your real offer. This is like your Danny Ainge offer. Yeah, just in case they hit yes, because we all been on the. On the sending side of those trades in fantasy sports, where you're like, "Oh shit, this dumbass fucking accepted it," and everybody else in the league is like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a, it was interesting. It just got me thinking, and I figured it'd be worth bringing up. But that is not what we are convened here for. Um, I guess I mean we can call this like a haters' ball. This is kind of a haters' ball. It is a haters' ball, right? Um. We did a few weeks ago. We 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 leaned into um, our bath and, and very very kind hearts, um, and we talked about the teams and the players and the coaches that we are higher on than consensus. And it is only right to to now reach into the darkness in our hearts, all the hate, all of the slander. Uh, and talk a little bit, maybe a lot bit, about the players, teams, and coaches that we are lower on than consensus. Um, I tr- you did you filled out your little you know the players and the teams, the coaches before me. I gotta say when I, when we did this, I actually had a really hard time doing it with coaches and teams because I actually feel like same. It's actually it, I think it's there's really, not that many weak links right yeah, now, and I just feel like. Like there might be a team that people are like, oh, like, uh, like for example, there are people that I think like the Hawks, right? And it like, could I say like I'm lower on them than, than on them than consensus? Maybe, but like I'm like, is the consensus really that high on them? Like I feel like it's pretty like okay, yeah. like it's pretty yeah. normal. Um, yeah, I so it was that's that's the part I had the toughest time with, but you know. As a true hater, I was still able to to come up with some candidates, but we're going to start with the players. It's more fun to slander players to start with. Um, so, Prez, why don't you why don't you lead us off here with your first candidate, who I agree with.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.